You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, everyone. From San Francisco, I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Wednesday, October 28th, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn, our man in Denver, PVH. What's the good word? Oh, you know, it's Wednesday. It's sunny. Um, I'm drinking a Heineken. Uh, I could just see Sloaner scowling as he listens to the pod. Heineken. Yes, Matt, it is a Heineken. Sorry, buddy. But uh, so, yeah, well, how could you complain? Not, yeah, same. Yeah, weather's actually beautiful here. You guys still getting snow there? No, it blew out. Blew so out. We're good. Wow. Yeah. All right. Nice. Exactly. Of course, we are here to preview Ohio State's primetime matchup with Penn State in Happy Valley this coming Saturday night. PVH, before we go into that, I just want to remind our listeners about our new website, which you can visit at southstandsosu.com. You can listen to all of our podcast episodes there and check out our new blog. I also like to invite our listeners to head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcast. We'd greatly appreciate your feedback. Also, we invite you to give us a follow on Twitter at south underscore stands. That's south underscore stands. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you have any questions or feedback for us, if you want to give Paige some shit for drinking a Heineken, you can send us an email at thesouthstandsosu at gmail.com. All right, PVH, let's dive into this matchup between Ohio State and Penn State. Sorry, go ahead. No, I said, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, let's dive right into this matchup. It's a 7.30 p.m. Eastern kick this coming Saturday on ABC with Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler on the call. According to ESPN, the Buckeyes are a 12-point favorite. That line has moved quite a bit since it opened. The over-under is 63.5. Personally, I think that's a little high. Penn State comes into this game at 0-1 and number 18 in the AP poll after a 36-35 overtime loss to Indiana last Saturday. PBH, you and I talked a little bit about that in the last pod. We don't have to relitigate the outcome of that game, but it was one Penn State really should have won after outgaining the Hoosiers 488 to 211 and doubling them up in time of possession. But turnovers, penalties, and mental mistakes really doomed Penn State in that game. Now, historically, Ohio State leads the all-time series 21 to 13, which includes a 28-17 win in Columbus last year, which turned into a nail biter after Ohio State jumped out to a 21-0 third quarter lead. But two third quarter fumbles, one by J.K. Dobbins, another by Justin Fields, allowed Penn State to score 17 unanswered to get back into that game. Fields lost another fumble earlier in that game as he was crossing the goal line that took a touchdown off the board for the Buckeyes. Kind of a weird day for Justin Fields. He was a little loose with the football. He fumbled three times. He lost two of them. Chris Olave ended up kind of sealing the game for Ohio State with a 28-yard touchdown a pass reception from Fields early in the fourth quarter to push that lead out to 28-17 and give the Buckeyes a little breathing room. Now, what we'll remember about that game, PVH, I know you remember it, we were just talking about it, is the Justin Fields knee injury that he suffered near the end of the game as Ohio State was attempting to run out the clock. Ohio State was facing a fourth and five, up two scores with only 223 to play. They were at the Penn State 23-yard line. You and I were both thinking, hey, just hand a ball off to Dobbins. If he gets the first down, great. If he doesn't, Penn State's ball. They got to drive the length in the field. They got to score twice. But Ryan Day inexplicably calls a pass play. Justin Field gets sacked on the play by safety Lamont Wade, who had a huge game that day. He sprains his MCL. And as we remember now, that injury would 
limit fields for the rest of the season and ultimately doom Ohio State's title hopes. PBH, before I turn it over to you for some initial impressions, just want to give you the last three results of this game played in Happy Valley. 2018, it was a 27-26 Ohio State win. Ohio State trailed by 12 in the fourth quarter of that game with only eight minutes to go. They come back and win it. 2016, we remember Penn State's 24-21 win. Grant Haley's return of a blocked Ohio State field goal attempt with 4.27 to play was the difference in that one. 2014, a 31-24 Ohio State overtime win. That game was tied at 17 at the end of regulation. And we remember, of course, Joey Bosa ends the game with probably the greatest quarterback sack in program history where he just takes that little Penn State running back, throws him into the quarterback and into Hackenberg to end the game in regulation. The point is- That was is, a sick play. I mean, that, that was, was sick. Great play. But I mean- where would you rank that top somewhere in the top 10, right? Of greatest Ohio state plays all time. Right. Yeah. Especially, I mean, to end a game, especially. (laughs) (laughs) Now that was a Buckeye team that went on to win the national championship. And that was not a very good Penn state team. But the point is here, when this game is played in happy Valley, it's been very close, especially since James Franklin took the helm at, at Penn state. He plays us very tough. So here we are again, heading back to happy Valley. Now we both know there's not going to be a whiteout, because the Big Ten is not allowing fans at games right now. Paige, just want to turn it over to you. Why don't you give me your high-level initial impressions of how you see this matchup? Yeah, well, I was going to start with, you know, the whiteout. I mean, I have never been to Penn State, but it it seems to me that that has just got to be about the most greatest home field advantage that any school could possibly have. Oh, yeah. Um, Not having that is huge. So it, it really comes down to me, you know, um, all these factors, right? So, so th- there's no whiteout. That's huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could make an argument that they're probably without, outside of their quarterback, um, their three most impactful, i.e. best players, mm-hmm. Parsons, Journey Brown, and who's the other guy that's now hurt that's not playing? Noah Kane, who is Brown's backup, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so, so you've got that. Mm-hmm. They lost to Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that doesn't seem like that's very positive for Penn State. Right. I thought I also read that their tight end is perhaps an all-American candidate, you know, one of their main weapons. Fryermuth, yeah, Pat Fryermuth. Fryermuth, mm-hmm. Frankfurter, uh, we'll call him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which is always a bad sign for your offense in the 21st century, right? Like if, like if you're leaning on your tight end, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, I guess where we are in the, the Big Ten, not very... <laughs> doesn't scare me that much. And so all these factors um, lead me to not being very concerned about this mm. um, whatsoever. Wow. Um, okay. Okay. All right. So you, you do make some compelling points there. I would agree with you, but you could easily make the case that Micah Parsons was their best defensive player and probably the best defensive player in the Big Ten before yeah. he opted out. And I think Journey Brown, you could make a strong argument. He is their best offensive player. Even even more so than the quarterback, Sean Clifford is the is the name I was reaching for. So I agree with you. I think those are two huge losses, and then you factor in no whiteout as well. You're feeling now because I think the last time we talked about this, you seemed a little nervous. But it sounds like maybe you've thought this one through, and you're not you're not nearly as as nervous for this one. No, I'm 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 actually quite nervous. So <laughs> okay. I'm going to take all those factors. And, <laughs> and so now I'm clearly in, this is a trap game for sure. Ooh. Um, okay. 
So if you didn't ask me, but I'm just going to tell you, my concernometer is at a 6.5. Um, I just feel like in, so you take all those factors, I think perhaps Ohio state can come into this game uh, a little bit overconfident. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely think Ohio state is not as good as I thought they would be after a single performance. That might not be fair, but that's how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is to me setting up perfectly as a, a very, very tight nail biter game. that's going to come down to the fourth quarter and who makes a few plays. Wow. So I remember when we talked on Sunday and I asked you your top three concerns for Ohio state coming out of this, out of that performance against Nebraska, you mentioned the linebackers as your number one concern. And if ever there was a game, for the Ohio State linebackers, I think it would be this one because we're talking about an offense that's down some playmakers, not a lot of dynamic receivers there in the passing game, a quarterback in Clifford who's a good athlete, not great arm talent. He can do some, some things with his arm, but you know he he's a, he's a guy that wants to use his athleticism to move the ball, and he ran for 117 yards on 17 carries last week against Indiana, and I think Penn State's going to have to rely on him to be a runner again in this matchup down their top two running backs. So that puts the onus once again, much as it did last week against two running quarterbacks in the case of Nebraska, that puts the onus on the Ohio State linebackers in this matchup to stop Clifford as a runner. And we know that they've been vulnerable to the Q run dating back to last year. And they were shaky against the Q run just last week. And as you've already mentioned, Pat Fryermuth their tight end, their most dangerous weapon. Now, who's going to draw coverage on him? It's going to be an Ohio State linebacker. So yeah. this is, right. So we're, we're talking about, we both perceive the linebacking group to be a weakness for this defense. And Penn State is surely going to test them, both with the Q run, throws to the tight end. So I really think, and this makes me a little nervous. Now you got me feeling a little nervous because if we're pinning this one on our linebackers, right? If they're the ones that are going to determine whether or not this is going to be a close game, that makes me a little nervous. But this would be, hey, look, if the Ohio State linebackers want to put their doubters to rest, they're going to have another chance because I, I don't see Penn State really testing the Ohio State defense down the field, you know, vertically. Correct me if I'm they wrong. They do have that one wide receiver, though. They, they, Dotson. Who, do you know who that? Yeah, yeah Johan Dotson. Is he the one that caught the touchdown? He was. against Indiana. Like, yeah. So he's a he's a burner. He's pretty. He looked like he could, you know, definitely make some plays. Now, um, but other than that, that I mean, what else? Where are they gonna? Yeah. Where are they gonna go? Yeah. Right. So and, Dotson, that long touchdown you referred to against Indiana was a 60 yarder by Dotson. It looked like it was going to be the game winner, right? It was very late. And we all thought that that was going to be curtains for Indiana. So he had that 60-yard reception. But after that, he only had three three receptions for 34 yards. So he finished with four for 94, but with a 60-yard touchdown reception. Didn't do much else outside of that long touchdown pass. I was listening to the Buckeye Talk podcast today, and they had the hosts of the Blue White Breakdown podcast, which is basically the, their counterparts who cover Penn State. They're actually owned, they're both owned by the same company. Bob Flounders and Greg Pickle are the, the hosts, the co-hosts of that particular show. <laughs> of course, that's their name. I, of course, that's their name, Greg Pickle, right? My takeaways from the interview is that they're both really bullish on Penn State's defensive ends, starting with mm -hmm. the veteran Shaka Tony, who had two sacks last Saturday against Indiana. 
They also mentioned Jason Owe, who they say is an athletic freak. Now, those are their two starters at end, Tony and Owe. Owe is an athletic freak, six foot five, 252, but he runs like a 4440. And then they also have another kid they rotate in there, Adisa Isaac, that they mentioned. He's a true sophomore, also very athletic. All three of those guys got really got after Michael Penix Jr. last Saturday. And if you're talking about a defense that you want to match up well with what Ohio State does well, you would certainly want great defensive end play. And it appears Penn State has that. They've got some dudes that can play on the ends. The other area that both Flounders and Pickle were really bullish on was Penn State's starting corners, starting with Tyreek Castro-Fields. Now, he's been with the program for a while. He's a big, rangy corner. He's over six feet tall. But they also have this year redshirt freshman, Joey Porter Jr. That's the son of Pittsburgh great linebacker, Joey Porter. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, but he had a great yeah. career, right, with the Steelers as a linebacker. So Porter Jr., big physical corner, six foot three, loves to play bump and run. And they looked very good last week. And the, the Penn State guys, Flounders and Pickle, are really bullish on the Penn State defense at end and also at, uh, at corner. They, hmm. they don't like the Penn State linebackers all that much. And now minus Parsons. Another one of their starters got a targeting penalty in the second half of last week's game. So he's going to miss the first half. So they're very green at linebacker. That's the weakness of that defense. But you know, We've got a great offensive line, but running the football, thats that was your second concern coming out of last week. So it seems like there's a good matchup for Penn State, right? They've, they've got the rush ends. They can get after the quarterback. They're good on the corners on the outside with their athletic, big physical corners if Chris Olave can't go. So seems like a pretty good matchup with Penn State if all of that is true. What do you think? Yeah. You know, I actually went and tried to research. I was like, well, I wonder what who the, what their two deep looks like for their cornerbacks, you uh-huh. know, um, and just to see, you know, how they would match up with our wideouts because clearly I think that's our strength on offense. Oh, yeah. Basically, I gleaned nothing from it because I didn't know who they were. And, you know, but, you know, they basically they had a senior, junior, uh, you know, maybe a sophomore and a, and a freshman. So I was like, well, that doesn't really tell me that much. <laughs> um, but they do. They have recruited really well. And that's yeah. part of the reason why I'm concerned. I think um, they're just, they have playmakers and they don't have Parsons, but there's dudes that can play on mm-hmm. that defense. They always have guys that can play. Oh yeah. And you know, so it sounds like these guys that are on the beat at Penn state definitely feel the same way. So, um, you know, again, I think it's, I, I think a high state's going to have their hands full on Saturday. I think, I think that Penn state defense seems to match up pretty well with what we want to do offensively, which with what our strengths are, which is we want to put it up. We want to get it out to our receivers. We're going to get just enough in the run game. Or so it seems that the approach would be after after the way the running game performed last week. The other player that I'm thinking of as well, also in that secondary is safety Lamont Wade. He's that undersized safety. Reminds me a little bit of Antoine Winfield, though he plays at safety. In Columbus last year, Wade forced three fumbles, and he was the one who had the big hit on Justin Fields, the sack, late in the game that injured Fields' knee. He was the one who jarred the ball loose as Fields was crossing the goal line in the first quarter that that took a touchdown off the board for the Buckeyes, and then he forced two other fumbles as well. That guy was a beast. So I I think they seem to have some dudes that can play in that secondary and, and, uh, and on the end. So I'm really looking forward to that matchup. You know, Ohio State counters with a pretty good offensive line and, you know, with some guys who can play, some dudes 
who can play on the outside in Olave and Wilson. Now, the big question remains is, will Olave be able to play coming off what to me looked like perhaps a concussion last week? Oh, he definitely... His his bell was rung. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about it. No they, doubt they, about that it. was the great shot when they you know got right in his face mask in his helmet and you saw his eyes like he, he was he was definitely dazed or concussed one or the other. No yeah. doubt about it. So there was an interview yesterday with Garrett Wilson. He had a media session and he was asked about Alave and Wilson said he feels very confident that Alave will play. Now, of course, well, Wilson's and Wilson's like, pre-med, so we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, for what for, for whatever that's worth, right? I mean, of course, Wilson's going to He's on a three-year pre-med plan, yeah. right? You go straight from there, just like uh, our, boy, our boy Aaron Kraft, right? <laughs> Heading into the James <laughs> and be an oncologist. <laughs> so here's a question then. If Olave is unable to go, do you move Wilson from the slot where he was very effective last week to the outside and you bring in the freshman Jackson Smith and Jigba who flashed as we both know last week and have him play at the slot or do you you keep you do you keep Wilson at the slot and then go with Julian Fleming on the outside I don't know what what, what would you do you know I, I'm gonna roll with our boy triple distilled Jameis Jameis and one Williams. more week yeah one more week Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm predicting big things from him. All right. Because if it doesn't happen this week, um, I was talking to my dad about it in players uh, today. He's actually here in Denver, so we're gonna get to watch the game together. Oh, but nice. Just um, you know, the fact of how many players, you know, come to Ohio State and are uber talented and never see the field, right? And we talked about this in previous pods, and this guy seems to be a perfect example right like if it doesn't happen soon dude you're never playing here and yeah. so you're going to be in the transfer portal i don't want that to happen so uh i'm going to jinx him and say that it is going to happen this weekend <laughs> and he's going to have a have a huge game if his skill set is as similar to paris campbell and ted Ginn juniors as folks are saying then to me it seems like you would want to get him on the same kinds of routes they used to run for Paris Campbell or the same kinds of plays they used to run for him, right? That little pop pass where you let yeah. him get the corner and just use his speed. You, you hit him on, Yeah, you hit him on short, get the ball in his hands and let him do things after the catch. I yeah. don't know if he's the guy you want targeting. You want to target 30, 40 yards down the field. Seems like they have they have two very reliable receivers who can do that well in Olave and Wilson. Get the ball to, to Williams- Around the around the line of scrimmage and let him use his speed and his size to break tackles and make things happen after the catch. Yeah, I mean, you know, just draw it up like you're in the playground, right? You got Alave and you know Wilson. Just run post routes. Mm -hmm. Have Jameis, you know, James is it Jameis or Jameson? Jameson, yeah. I cannot like get that right. <laughs> um, but you know, like do an end around, you know, like it, yeah. or anything like a three yard crossing pattern. Get that guy the ball, and, mm -hmm. and I'm just fascinated to see what he can do. Um, but I'm also like, dude, it, it's got to happen soon because these other guys are coming. Yeah. Well, Ohio State may be forced to get creative to move the football in this game. I don't know how good the Indiana offense actually is. They've got a pretty dynamic quarterback and Michael Penix Jr. that people seem to like. They've got some experienced receivers. They, they tend to be a pretty, pretty good off offensive team. And they were held to 210 yards, total yards of offense 
by the Penn State defense last week. And that's that's with a, a frame of overtime. So, so yeah, I, Penn State dominated that game. Yeah. I mean, like we, we talked about, six things had to go wrong for them to lose. And by the way, they probably didn't lose. They should have, yeah. Um, and the other thing, by the way, to make it even worse, I mean, Penn State 0-2, like they're going to be playing with their hair on fire. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there is so, no margin for error. I mean, it is it is do or die for them. This is a do or die scenario for them. I mean, I think, you know, Ohio State doesn't have exactly a ton of margin for error with a nine-game regular season. But but yeah, one would think that that there would be a great sense of urgency. Penn State will be playing with that in this yeah. game for sure. Okay. So you your consumer meter is set at 6.5. I've got it at a seven. I'm also pretty concerned. Clearly, this is not a game Ohio State can overlook. I am a little leery of some of these, how they're shorthanded and they're missing some of these key players and they're coming off a loss and how it could be very easy for Ohio State to overlook them. Even though I don't think Ohio State could claim that they played a perfect game last week and there isn't room for improvement and and there aren't guys that want to prove themselves. I, I like your choice of Jamison Williams because this could be another one of these games. If you If you look at Ohio State in its last three trips to Happy Valley, they've not eclipsed 30 points in, in regulation. These games are played in the mid to high 20s for the most part, and they may be forced to get creative offensively. And that might mean an end around to Williams. That might mean a pop pass or something to get him into space where he can use his speed and size because it might be rough going for Ohio State as good as they are offensively, especially if the running game is shaky again. And they can't really rely on the running game. All right. So PVH, before we get to score predictions, any any other aspects, any other angles of this game that we haven't really looked at? Well, I thought I thought it was ironic that um, in my inbox today, because I had a feeling that you were going to be pretty concerned about this game. Um, and I get word of the day. And the word of the day today was actually Cassandra. <laughs> <laughs> and and so for those that aren't up to speed on Greek uh, mythology, um, the definition of a Cassandra is the daughter of Priam endowed, endowed with the gift of prophecy, but fated never to be believed. Or number two, one that predicts misfortune or disaster. So I'm kind of feeling we're both sort of Cassandras on this, <laughs> this prediction pod. Um so that actually, so, you know, in, in my very superstitious ways, I was like, which way am I actually going with this? But no, I am, I, I, I think this is going to be a really, really good game and it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch. And, um, but I think it's going to be close for sure. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think this is going to be a tight one. Well, why don't we go ahead and do it? We're coming up in about 30 minutes. I got your concernometer score. Give me your score prediction. 2925. 2925 Buckeyes. All right. I like that one. Okay. So there is a big question. Will Chris Olave play? If he can't go, I think that's a big loss for the Ohio State offense. I think it's asking a lot of a freshman, whoever they end up leaning on, whether it's Jackson Smith and Jigma, Julian Fleming, or both, to step in there and replace Olave's playmaking and experience. So fingers crossed there. We should know on Friday when Ohio State publishes its availability report. So if this game were played in front of a whiteout with Micah Parsons and Journey Brown in uniform for Penn State, 
This is a 9.0 on my concernometer. And my score prediction would be Ohio State by a hair, 28-26. This game, neither team has scored over 30 in this game in Happy Valley since 2012. Ohio State scored 35 in that game. So it's been a long time since Ohio State has put up a lot of points against Penn State since James Franklin got there. However, no wideout, no Micah Parsons, and no Journey Brown. So 28-26 would have been my score if they were available and if this game is played in front of 106,000 screaming fans in the wideout. But I'm taking five points off of Penn State's final score because there's no wideout. And I'm going to take another five points off of Penn State's final score because no Micah Parsons, no Journey Brown. I think those are arguably Penn State's two best players. And then the most important position on the field, Ohio State has an advantage there. I think Sean Clifford's he's a good, solid Big Ten quarterback. Justin Fields at another level. You factor all that in. I got Ohio State winning this one. I still think it's going to be very close, but I think Ohio State pulls away in the fourth quarter. Ohio State 28, Penn State 16. I do think this game is played below the over-under. I I don't see 63 and a half points scored in this one. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game as it has been historically in Happy Valley since since, uh, James Franklin got there. What do you think? Yeah, no, and... You know, that that is a great point, right? Like we do have the best player at the most important position, right? And so what what do you give Justin Fields, right? Like what is he worth to a team, right? You know, seven point, you know, I mean, it's, it's a big number. Um, And I think we spent most of the time, you know, thinking of ways, you know, why it could go wrong as opposed to thinking of ways why it could go right. And this couldn't, could be a blowout too. Um, it's always possible um, for all the reasons, you know, we said, right. I mean, Penn state is limping into this game. Um, and maybe if a high state punches them in the mouth and it's, you know, 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter, this, they run away from them. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if that happens It's definitely possible. A high state uh, definitely has the horses to do it. Um, but I do like the, yeah, I mean, you you have to feel you you can lay your head on the pillow at night knowing hey we have Justin Fields and they don't that yeah. that matters that matters one other variable I think that's worth mentioning here and we saw it rear its ugly head again for Penn State last week poor late game management by James Franklin and this is not the first time this has happened and it seems to continue to bite Penn State in big games repeatedly which is those one or two crucial decisions or choices made by the head coach. It seems like Franklin has this knack for making well, do you the, know, the- Do you know what he did? Because I heard that again at the Indiana game, but w- like, what did he do that was so egregious? Do you, do you, do you know? I, I think that the consensus was that their running back should have taken a knee on that last possession before regulation, but before overtime. So Penn State's, la- well, the second to last, because I, Penn State actually, I think, got a, a late a field goal left. attempt. Yeah. yeah. So there was a minute and some left. I don't know the exact time on, this, on the clock. He could have taken a knee there instead of punching it in for the cheapy touchdown. And the word I heard, I heard that the Penn State guys from, from the, the Penn State podcast, the Blue, the Blue White Breakdown guys, had said that Franklin, I think, said in the post game that he had to- he had communicated that to his running back, didn't want to throw him under the bus, but it sounds like it wasn't emphasized to the point that it should have been. 
he clearly didn't get the message. And I don't know where that falls, but when you consider the track record with Franklin, where there's been this late game mismanagement tendency on his part and big games, you know, who do you trust there? Ryan Day or James Franklin? Now, Ryan Day has been very, very good. He has had a couple missteps in his in his young career with some late game decisions, namely what happened in last year's Penn State game, right? Where he decided to pass the ball with Justin Fields that led to an injury. But I would give the edge still to Ryan Day if we're talking about X's and O's, late game execution, making the right call uh, in a crucial situation. I I feel Ohio State has the advantage in that department as well. But I still think it's going to be a hell of a game. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I think the Penn State defense is good enough to keep them in this one for a while. I think Sean Clifford's a good, solid quarterback. Now, I don't think he's the runner that Adrian Martinez is or McCaffrey. I don't think I don't think he's as elusive as those two are. He's a little bit more of a straight north-south runner, but he can get some things done and he can do a little something with his arm. So I don't want to write him off completely. And we're looking again at Ohio State defense, no Chase Young, questions at linebacker, a young secondary. So I can see this one being close, but man, imagine if we're going into this game without Ohio State's two best players on each one on each side of the ball, right? Imagine if, you know, this game's being played without our home crowd behind. I mean, to me, it seems like it might be just a little too much for Penn State to overcome to win in this one. And that's why I like Ohio State in a very close one for most of the game pulling away late. Maybe your boy Jamison Williams on an end around mid fourth quarter scores that touchdown to, to pad the score a little bit and give Ohio State a little bit more of a comfortable lead. 28-16, Ohio State's my prediction. I like it. All right. Oh, before we go, I'd like to mention our good buddy and South Stands contributor, Chad Plummer's prediction. Now, Chad's feeling a lot more confident than you and I are. He's got oh, Ohio State. Really? Yeah. Really? That's a shock. <laughs> He's also been golfing all day and probably had a few. So that might factor <laughs> into the, the prediction here. Well, Chad definitely likes the over. And he's got the Buckeyes winning 42-24 over the Nittany Cubs. He calls them the Nittany Cubs. So feeling very confident Mr. Plummer is there as well. Hey, I will be all too happy to have Chad be right because – you know, you by know the way, I, I don't think games. anybody from last year paid up to me specifically. So, I, so Plummer, <laughs> I'll take that bet 20 and 20 for 40, <laughs> right? You got the over and the Buckeyes covering. I'll take the under and, and, and not covering for 40 bucks. And uh, I'll expect the Venmo on Sunday. All right. You heard it here. It's documented. Chad, you're on the hook for this. And uh, yeah, send him your Venmo. Uh, your Venmo information there, PBH. All right, Same buddy. Goes to you, Gallagher. You're definitely down like like 200. Everybody owes money. Hey, man, I am not betting against you with with the way some of your predictions have gone over the last few months. I I I should actually be, you know, placing some bets on your predictions. So I, I'm definitely not going to lay any money against your predictions. That's for well, sure. That's the most important thing, right? <laughs> Try and win the bet. <laughs> well, good stuff, buddy. Hey, we are just about at a half an hour. I, I know. I know you got to bounce. We will reconvene on Sunday morning to recap this game, which we hope will be another Ohio State win. And uh, great talking to you, buddy. And we'll talk on Sunday. All right, my man. All right. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 
and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.